nice to have a back-to-back two Sundays uh, so you don't forget what we have covered so far. We always forget. We are forgetful people. Two friends after one Sunday morning worship service were talking to each other and one fellow told the other fellow that, I don't remember what the pastor preached last Sunday or a Sunday before. What's the use of even coming here if you don't even remember? And so his friend wisely encouraged him, telling him that, do you remember what did you have for breakfast last Sunday? He said, no. Did you stop eating? (laughs) God has devised this computer so well that no human being can come close to it. Stephen Hawkins, one of the most vocal atheists, passed away a few years ago, as you know, and I guess there are very few people left like him to be able to do that. And I guess uh, there wouldn't ever be time that they can copy this. Even when we don't remember the word of God, as he says that the word that I sent will not come to be void, but it will produce the fruit that I desire. And that fruit is that you will go out with joy and let forth in peace, so much so that the mountains and hills burst out in songs before you, Isaiah 55, 11, and 12. So even when we don't remember, this one remembers, okay? And the word makes the, it it soaks into our life and makes difference in our living. That's why even when we don't remember what it was told last Sunday or a few Sundays ago, it's still there and changes lives. And word of God never fails. And that's why we study Sunday after Sunday, and every morning as we work uh, with the Word. I hope you are doing that every morning, studying the Word of God. The place that no one needs to go. Remember, we started, uh, when was the first one? This is the fourth in the series of five messages. Uh, We started, I think it was in June 2018, Our first message was, (laughs) nobody remembers, do you? (laughs) That was too long ago. If you don't remember what you ate last Sunday, you can't remember what it was then six months or eight months ago. Uh, We started out by saying that Christianity makes most sense in all the religions. It's a logical religion that makes sense. And the lie that we hear that all religions are the same is just that, a lie. Remember the story? The Brahmin priest, because we have many visitors, I'll just quickly uh, repeat that. A priest carrying a goat on his shoulder is walking through the wilderness, and one of the uh, cheaters, there are three cheaters, and one comes and tells him that, hey, you are a holy man, aren't you ashamed to carry this dog on your shoulder? And To which this man replies, are you blind? Don't you see? This is not a dog. This is a goat. A few minutes later, another one comes and tells him the same thing. Now, the man is confused. 
He's not sure what he's carrying. And then a few minutes later, another one comes and tells him the same thing. Aren't you ashamed carrying this dog? The man throws away the dog, no, goat, and runs away. Remember the moral of the story? Those who have been hearing, remember. Remember the moral of the story? A lie when repeated several times does not turn into truth, but it does become convincing. But it does become convincing. And we have been bombarded with all the lies, especially last 50 or so years, that have questioned us, ourselves, about our faith. If what is 90% of people are telling about out there, is this what is telling me is the truth? And so we have to be grounded into the truth and be able to be grounded so much that the doubts are gone and the ability received to share the truth with those who are convinced of the lies that we hear today. So the first message was that Christianity is unique drastically different. And if somebody says that no two religions, all the religions are same, just ask him, what are the two religions? And tell me the similarity between those two. And most probably he may not even be able to remember or name two religions. All they have heard is the lies and they have accepted that. People don't use their common sense. People don't use their comments. So the, we, we spelled out all those differences. And the second message was on theology, the concept of God that is unique in Christianity. All the religions, man is trying to reach God as if God is sitting on the mountaintop. But if God is transcendent, God is higher than any of his creation exalted, no human being can reach him except when God himself comes down the mountain. The word that was beginning became flesh and dwelt with us. And he said that I am only the way that you can now reach the Father. And then just last Sunday we talked about what did, we talk, what did we talk last Sunday? Huh? The valley. Oh, I, I just, I, it, it was a serious question. I just got blocked. I didn't remember what we talked last Sunday. <laughs> Thank you. The valley is so deep to cross. There is a vast difference between the, remember the most basic attribute of God? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Those three words repeated together at the same time twice in the whole Bible, Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4. And those both occasions are heavenly seen. Only when you see, you have the glimpse of God himself in the heavenly scene, then you realize who God is. 
And that makes the realization of Isaiah, oh, I am sinful man. What is the most basic attribute of man? Sinfulness. Remember the numbers that are, are given to the, to the Antichrist? Six, six, six. And the text itself says there, the number is man's number. If God is holy, 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 seven, 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 man is unholy, 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 six, six, six. He is short, just little short. All have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. And so that vast difference, the vast valley, you cannot jump except you cross that through the cross. God devised the way that now we can just walk through the valley and can have relationship with the Lord who is holy. The curtain is torn. Now you can walk into the holy of holies and have a personal relationship with God who is holy without any intermediary directly go with boldness. Today we are looking for another. Nobody wants to give, be bearer of bad news. I don't like this message. I don't like this message. If there is one thing that I or we all would want to take out or delete from the Bible, this is it. This is it. What is that place? Well, you already have the outline, so you know. What is that place that no one needs to go? Nobody wants to accept that. And you know what? 99%, well, maybe more, maybe less. 90% of people don't accept that. Nobody wants to accept that. How can God, who is epitome of love, can devise a place that is so horrible? The worm does not die, the fire is not quenched. Burning day and night, they're glancing their teeth. All this description is clearly given in the Bible about hell. And the philosophers of the world and liberal theologians of the world, they all want to reject. Just a couple of examples. Radhakrishnan is one of the most, was one of the most leading theology of philosophers, not theology and philosophers of India, died in 1975. He wrote a little small booklet. I had I have several quotations from a few books and I was thinking to carry those, but I thought I would need a briefcase, so I just made a picture of that and we'll see that. But Radhakrishnan wrote brief overview of all the religions, including Christianity. And one of the most clear thing that he wants, mentions is negation of hell. Let's listen what he's saying. Radha Krishna. 
can't read there. God's love would not allow even the worst sinner to slip away from him completely. If God destroys his delinquent children, then we are attributing to God a very primitive instinct, which even civilized men have sublimated. If Jesus took little children on his knees and told his hearers that the only way of pleasing God was to become themselves like the little children, it is atrocious for us to thrust these citizens of the kingdom of heaven into the fire of hell. What he is saying is that how can you think about God in these terms? It's inhumane, more inhumane than us humans. Similar thing, another fellow, Bertrand Russell, same time period, he died five years before Radha Krishna in 1917. I, I was reading another book and that quoted Bertrand uh, Russell, so I bought Bertrand Russell's book uh, just to find that quote. And the title of the book is, Why Am I Not Christian? And other articles. Why Am I Not Christian is the first article, and he gives the one most basic reason, Why Am I Not Christian? Here is what he's saying. Bertrand Russell. There is one serious defect to my mind in Christ's moral character. By the way, he starts out this message by saying that most of the people think that Christ was moral, but I have questions about that. That's how he starts out that message. I am more moral than Christ. I have questions about Christ's morality, Russell said. He said, there, there is one serious defect to my mind in Christ's moral teacher, and that is that he believed in hell. That's Christ's defect. I do not myself feel that any person who is really profoundly humane can believe in everlasting punishment. Christ was inhumane, more inhumane than any of us. Can you see the audacity of thinking me more humane than Christ? Me more moral than Christ. But one thing Russell was right about. Did you get that? Christ believed in hell. That's one thing that Russell was right about. Christ believed in hell. There are three thirteen times Gehenna is mentioned in the Bible. Twelve times in the Gospels by Christ himself, only once outside by James. Christ mentioned about hell far more than heaven. Christ described hell so graphically that you cannot even question that. These are called, thank you, Blair. These are called philosophers. You know what philosopher means? Lover of wisdom. I read a couple of articles of Russell and stopped reading that book. 
because it is stupid, not stupid, foolish. You know the difference between stupid and foolish? You may not like to hear that, but we all are stupid. Stupid means we don't know everything. And none of us can claim to know everything, right? I wanted to be a doctor, but I couldn't get into science because I, I was so weak in math. I can't even, I still need 69 to 55, I need a calculator. <laughs> so, so I had to go into arts and literature and, and, and so on. I majored in Sanskrit literature, taught for 11 years in the university there, and my second major was philosophy. So I studied Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Descartes, Hume, and so on. But these people called philosophers, which literally means lovers of wisdom, are not stupid. They are bright, but they are foolish. See, every human being is stupid because we don't know everything. Stupid means not knowing some things, like I'm stupid in math. But foolish means not being able to use knowledge the way God designed us to use. Fool has said there is no God. Only fool can say there is no God. See, philosophers are fools. Lovers of wisdom have no wisdom. Okay, the outline is clear before you. We have three-point outline, and each point has three points, so makes nine, and every point takes about 30 minutes, so we'll be here till <laughs> supper, and somebody can order pizzas, okay? And, and by the way, I have added one more point, so there are 10 points, so five hours, okay? All right, there are three, the one, hell, no, three wrong answers. And you probably know this. You already know this. What we are doing here, a teacher does not say anything new, by the way. And if he says anything new, stay away from him. Anything new than this word is telling you, anything new that is outside the complex, uh, 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 the context of the word, don't listen to any teacher like that. But you already know that. But we need to remind, be reminded, be reminded, because remember, we are forgetful people. We forget what we ate last Sunday. So we have to be reminded because the word is instilled in our mind by those constant reminders. So the, you know these things, but we, I have spelled out together, and hopefully you can keep this outline so you can, you can um, remember and share with other people. The basic idea is we people out there need more than you do here. That's the point, right? Uh, and so we are getting ready or, or helping ourselves to get ready to teach others. Okay, universal salvation is nobody wants to accept hell. So we have come up with three alternative ideas, three wrong answers. Universal salvation. What is universal salvation? Just like Radha Krishnan and uh, Russell said, God cannot throw anyone into such a horrible place. Why? Because God is God of love. If he does like this, then it's worse than we humans. 
is more humane than any human being even can think of. So everybody would be saved. There is no hell. There is no hell. There is no eternal punishment. Everybody will be saved. Elul, another, this is a theologian. The other two were philosophers, secular philosophers. Elul, Jack Elul, is a French uh, liberal theologian. Uh, that, that book, uh, What I Believe, is on, uh, if you read, uh, if you Google Jack, Jack J-A-Q-U-E-S-L-U-L, uh, then it, that book would show up on uh, your computer, and you can read that 230-page book on computer. I read a few pages, and just like, uh, what's the other name, Russell, uh, these people, <coughs> you don't need to read those books. They, they, don't have, they don't have anything concrete to offer. But Jack Alul also says about, about universal salvation, what he's saying, let's, let's listen. He says, I believe that all people are included in the grace of God. Everybody. Whether it's Hitler or Mother Teresa. Everybody. I believe that all the theology, theologies that have made a large place for damnation and hell are wrong, unfaithful to a theology of grace. A theology of grace implies universal salvation. What could grace mean if it were granted only to some sinners and not to others according to an arbitrary decree that is totally contrary to the nature of God. If grace is granted according to the greater or lesser number of sins, it is no longer grace. It is just the opposite because of this accountancy. And he quotes scripture. Paul is the very one who reminds us that the enormity of the sin is an obstacle to grace. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. This is the key statement. The greater the sin, the more God's love reveals itself to be far beyond any judgment or evaluation of ours. This grace covers all things. It is thus effectively universal. Nothing in his creation is excluded or lost. Remember what he's saying? Paul says that because the grace increased, do we sin more? Let us sin more so the grace increase. Totally opposite what he is saying. What Paul's point is that can we take grace lightly? May it never be. What he is saying is that, well, let us sin more. Because grace covers everything. Every sinner is covered. Rob Bell, thank you, Blair. Rob Bell, Low Winds, came out with book, Low Winds. I'm a Baptist preacher. He said, Low Winds, Low is so strong that no sinner is outside of God's grasp. Low finally will win. Universal salvation. Don't worry. Live whatever way you want. God will take care of it. God loves you. 
God loves you. Conditional immortality, you may not have heard of it. That's not new. Luther believed that. Uh, Wycliffe believed that. Conditional immortality. How many of you have heard about conditional immortality before? Anybody did? Is that the same as annihilation? Annihilation, yes. Conditional immortality is same as annihilation means this, we are not immortal. We all are mortal and at the point of the last judgment, we would all die. And everything would come to an end. Conditional immortality. Uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were, they lost their immortality. When God created them, they were immortal. And if they had not eaten the fruit, they would have continued to live in that fellowship with God and, and, and received their immortality. But because they ate the fruit, they lost their immortality. And so only those who have... Now how do you regain that immortality? By trusting Christ. And so the conditional immortality means that the immortality is conditional on the belief of on Christ. Those who have believed in Jesus Christ received the immortality. The rest would be judged and totally, completely, forever destroyed. Let us read, um, I should have read that earlier, but let us read Revelation 14. Uh, Revelation 19. Judgment at the throne of God. Okay. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled, fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds, and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone, anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now what happens when somebody is thrown according to the conditional immortality? What happens when the, somebody is thrown into the lake of fire? He is incinerated. He is gone. So according to the conditional immortality, they would be raised at the final judgment. They would be raised from the dead. And they would be judged. And then they would be thrown into the eternal fire. And they would be gone. And so they would interpret John 3.16 like passages that those who believe in Christ 
have eternal life. Those who do not believe in Christ will perish. And the word perish can be used gone and gone forever. If you remember, Pastor Chuck used that word perish for those perish in, service, in the service. That means they are die, they, they, they died. They, they are gone from the earth forever. And so that word perish is used by these people as completely gone. So this also says there is no hell. There is no hell. They will not live forever. Immortal. Immortality. There is one difference. The response to this argument is. When you come to Genesis 1. There is a phrase used in Genesis 1. According to its own kind. Nine times. The trees and the fruit according to its own kind. The birds of the air according to its own kind. The fish of the sea according to its own kind. The animals of the field according to its own kind. When it came to human being, let us make man not according to its own kind, but according to our kind. Only human being is created in the image of God. And because he is created in the image of God, he is like God, never to die again, immortal. He is immortal. And that immortality is for everybody, believer or unbeliever. You cannot divide this into two groups that this group would receive immortality because they have believed conditional and this group of people will die because they have not believed. Isaiah 66, 24. You can open and keep it open. We would refer to that later also. Isaiah 66, 24. That, I, that is one of the grossest Description of hell. I think in the first message in June uh, 18, uh, I mentioned about NIV, new NIV translation. Uh, NIV, you, you, you may not know, but there is a new NIV or today's NIV. Uh, when I when I I'm writing something and I want to quote scriptures, I go to Bible Gateway or something online and copy and paste. And I suddenly realize that what I read was something different than what I was familiar with. Isaiah sixty six twenty four reads in NASB. Then they will go out and see the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me in old NIV, which I have 1984 publication. They will behold the dead bodies that rebelled against me. Their worm does not die, singular. Their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. And they will be loathsome to all mankind. The new NIV, listen now. 
they will go out and look up at the dead bodies who have rebelled against me the worms plural the worms that eat will not die and their fire is not quenched see you see the difference the worm will not die the worm means the soul the life of those people in hell will not die they live forever and their fire their punishment their agony will never end that's what the original word in hebrew i checked means their worm does not die their life is not quenched completely finished or gone and their agony is never ended but what niv changed the worms that eat them will not die it makes the worms eternal and human being temporal you see niv has accepted conditional immortality now i am careful i don't when when i go and copy i go to nasb new american standard bible and quote those verses changing the word of god to suit your theology changing the word of god to suit your theology let's see what our church believes last year uh, september we attended uh, the the uh, men's uh, members bible class uh, members class and this is what it said the spirits and souls of unbelieving remain this is our doctrinal statement given into the members handbook the spirits and souls of the unbelieving remain after death conscious and in misery until the final judgment of great white throne the the verses that we just read from uh, from revelation uh close of the millennium when the soul and body alike shall be reunited and ultimately cast into the lake of fire not to be annihilated but to be punished with everlasting destruction or everlasting punishment from the presence of the lord and from the glory of his power the soul that has been created will never die will live forever and ever the question is where the question is where and this is the place that we are talking about that nobody needs to go thank you blair nobody needs to go and of course the third one we already know purgatory the word purgatory means you you, you are familiar with the word purge right purgatory means a purging place cleansing place that makes that accepts hell but it makes temporal the first two universal salvation and conditional immortality no existence of hell that this one makes existence of accepts existence of hell but makes it temporal why temporal because you are in a just like a criminal in a jail then he finishes his sentence and then he's released he goes back free the same way nobody no human being is perfect to enter heaven directly that's the roman catholic doctrine no human being is 
perfect enough to enter directly. They have to go through purgatory. So that all the saints of the earth during their earthly life are purged by the punishment that, that they receive there. And then when all the saints are purged, they go to heaven. And so that hell would exist as long as people continue to be born and continue to die. At the end of time, when there are no more birth and no more new humanity, hell would be empty and gone. No more hell, only heaven. Purgatory, purging people into hell, uh, out of hell forever. Hell makes temporary. So, hell is so abominable idea. People have come up with all kind of answers to avoid that. Maybe we can take a break. Give you a, a, a funny story. In a public school, a teacher in an elementary school, a teacher was teaching a biology class, and the lesson was on, on well. And the teacher said, well is a large mammal, but it has a narrow throat, so it cannot swallow large object like a grown-up human being. There was one little girl came from Christian family. Teacher, but a whale swallowed Jonah. A whale is a large mammal but has a narrow throat so cannot swallow a grown-up human. But but teacher, well swallowed so Young lady, now the teacher is on the edge. I told you, well is a large but cannot swallow. Okay, the lady, a girl said. Okay, when I go to heaven, I will ask Jonah. <laughs> but the teacher didn't believe in hell or heaven, but didn't want to give up. How do you know Jonah went to heaven? How will you ask if he went to hell? Then you ask him. <laughs> then you ask him. Because there is no hell, people don't believe in hell. Everything that you see in the culture around us, this is extra point, not in your outline, no charge. People, this is the basic reason behind what you see today. No fear of hell, no fear of God, total, complete freedom the way you want to live. Let grace abound so the, and let us continue to sin so the grace abound. You know, we give far less credit to Darwin than he deserves. When we think about Darwin, we think about evolution versus creation. And that evolution versus creation is only in the West. 
in the east in indian country india or eastern countries we don't have that debate because we are not taught about creation we are taught only about evolution so that whole human human uh, worldwide humanity has been touched by darwin and darwin gave hindu theology is that a person in the next life can come into an animal or insect and that birth and rebirth incarnation cycle keeps going on and so man and animal are put on the same level and darwin gave scientific close quote unquote scientific approval to that theology if you are reading uh, uh, i get uh, on my inbox uh, every morning daily our daily bread uh, uh, devotions after reading my bible when i open the computer that's the first thing i read before reading any other messages just this past week on tuesday there was a note about in 200 2005 london zoo had a special exhibit four volunteer humans were put into the zoo and uh, the sign in the front of the exhibit was about their natural environment habitat their dangers just like every other animal all the signs these signs were given in front of this exhibit one of the participant of this experiment said that it was good to experience and realize that we are not any different than animals we are not any different than animals i won't be surprised if in few years all the zoos put human beings along with other animals i wonder did they have clothes on i wonder were they doing natural things that animals do in open that's where we have come to that's where we have come to another thing i i just i get readers digest for several uh, years a lady subscribed it for me and when she passed away 4 5 years ago i continued it's a good restroom reading gives you an gives you an excuse to sit there my wife was telling me that's why you call it a restroom <laughs> this morning she told me okay uh garrett and you can again you can see that uh, you can uh, rd.com and search for garrett mathias uh, uh, story garrett mathias 5 year old had a rare brain tumor and and he died at the age of 5 on uh, july 6 2018 before he died he wrote his own eulogy, eulogy. He says, "My name is Garrett Michael Bufias." He's just making fun of his own name, Mathias. I am a bulldog. My address is: I am a bulldog. My favorite uh, superhero is 
बैटमैन थोर आर्नमैन द हॉक एंड साइबॉर्ग वेन आई डाई आई एम गोइंग टू बी अ गुरेला whether you want to be burned or buried or burn i want to be burned like when thor mommy died and made into a tree so i can live in it when i am a gorilla a die five year old boy can come up with the best wish to come back as gorilla can you imagine the family that he grew up in and the culture that our children and grandchildren are growing up the best thing you can think of is come back as gorilla no wonder if we are like animals we behave like animals and that's what we say around the culture actually we are behaving worse than animals animals don't break natural laws they live according to the nature they don't do unnatural things like we take pride in doing actually word of god says that isaiah 50 uh, isaiah begins that right first verse after the first verse is the introductory verse during this king's uh, isaiah prophesied verse 2 where he begins the prophecy god laments children i have raised and sons i have reared ox knows his manger and donkey his owner but my people do not know me my people do not understand we are like animals if we have no fear of god no fear of ultimate judgment no fear of ultimate judgment and people want all kind of arguments in their wisdom quote and quote in their knowledge they come up with answers that gives them the freedom the way you want to live go ahead you are not responsible you are not accountable you don't have to worry about anything just eat drink and be merry because tomorrow we die nothing to fear about okay but there is there is three right answers there are there are three right answers hell certainly yes and this is based on the last sunday's message remember last sunday the holiness of god and the sinfulness of man woe unto me because i am man of if isaiah can say that what am i who am i that claim more holiness or paul can say that worst sinner that i am that who am i that can claim more holiness I use that example from the from that slum dog millionaire that is a repulsive repulsive example but that's what exactly what it is we have taken sin so lightly that we have no idea we have no idea how serious god takes sin 
we have no idea the proportion of hair that's too out of proportion eternity torment for eternity that is way out of proportion god can't do that but our sins are way out of proportion compared to god's holiness and so that's one of the convincing logical argument about the existence of hell holy god cannot take sin lightly holy god cannot ignore sin lightly holy god cannot give blanket amnesty to whole humanity okay go ahead i have i love you and so no problem holiness of god requires it secondly our sense of justice demands it our sense of justice demands it we have the concept of fairness we all have right <laughs> my wife and i our 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 weekend pastime weekend afternoon saturday and sunday is scrabble okay you you are familiar with scrabble right uh she always wins <laughs> i am a, a man of books i spend 6 to 8 hours every every day either reading something or writing something i don't know how she always wins yesterday we yes we played yesterday too i was thinking about this but we were playing surprisingly i won two games <laughs> but she always wins and she said she has a secret of course she is not going to share that right ah. <laughs> 53 years and we still have secrets <laughs> but i am watching out remember those bright red spots three word scores remember those i am watching those out okay don't tell her i am watching those out and i'm 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 looking for the right letters and when i get the right letters zap here we go 48 points and she says that's not a word Yes it is. No it's not a word. Yes it is. But we have invested in a big fat scrabble dictionary. So we check it out. When my son says you have to pay to play, so we have we have invested in this dictionary. So she checks it out. Yes, that's acceptable word. I get 46 points and maybe just maybe i will win the game goes on but that happens in the game where the rules can be checked out right away and the innocents are vindicated and game goes on but that does does not always happen in life that does not always happen in life we are misjudged we are blamed about for having wrong motives uh, a stupider person gets awarded and smart people like us are sidetracked 
and we cry out, that's not fair. What is fair? How do you know what is fair and what is not fair? How do you know? Who told you what is fair and what is not fair? God did. God did. Remember one of the traits that we are created in the image of God, one of the traits is we are immortal. The other traits are we are moral being. That's another trait that because we are created in the image of God, we are moral being. Oh man, time is already gone. We are moral being. And so we have a sense of right and wrong. Think about what happened in Jasper, Texas. It was just new on April 24 that third man was executed. I don't need to describe that. You already know. Another incident, Graham Staines, an Australian missionary. Uh, he and his wife uh, Gladys and three children, Esther, uh, Timothy, and Philip, uh, were ministering in Bihar, Northeast India, laboratorium, uh, serving poorest of the poor, and he was holding Bible studies in nearby village. One evening he was coming back, uh, driving in his jeep with his two sons, ten and eight year old. A group uh, grabbed them, tied them in their jeep, doused them with gasoline, and burned them alive. Think about these both incidents. Jasper, this bird, was dragged for three miles while he was conscious. And in both cases, the criminals were brought to justice and appropriately sentenced. Now think about that. All this thing is, the legal procedure has been taken care of, the, the criminals are convicted, and now just, and judge says, fellows, you have done horri horrible thing, but I'm a loving person, I'm a kind person, so I will let you go, don't do stupid thing anymore. What do you think people would think about, of that judge? But that's exactly what we think of God. He will let go everybody. Go and do whatever you want. The third, love of God provides the way of escape. And that's the main argument against universal salvation. God, in his love and mercy, has provided way on the cross. I'm going very uh, briefly now. On the cross, the justice of God and love of God met. And now God says that whoever receives the forgiveness, the remedy that God has provided, God did not send his son to judge the world. That is, we know 316, but later on it says, but, the, but, but that by him uh, the world may be saved. God says in Ezekiel that, God, uh, am, I, uh, am I happy in a death of a sinner? Would I not rejoice if one sinner comes back? Why do you not turn, 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 turn and leave? Why do you perish? 
When one sinner repents, there is a rejoicing in heaven. God has provided the way. And there is no other way. Holy God cannot give amnesty, blanket amnesty to everyone. But loving God cannot let them perish. So he has provided the way. Three appropriate responses. We cannot fool with it, but we can avoid it. We cannot take hell literally, uh, lightly. We cannot take hell lightly. How will we be saved? Why, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Amos says that prepare to meet your God. Our God is a consuming fire. It's a horrible thing to fall into the hand of holy God. We cannot take hell lightly. Secondly, very quickly, we cannot be silent about it. We share. Think about that. Third, we cannot ever forget it is only by the grace of God that we are spared. Remember Isaiah 66:24. Have you it uh, open? Okay. Isaiah is divided into two main groups. I'll take five minutes, okay? Isaiah is divided into two main groups. Everybody knows that, right? First 39 chapters like Old Testament books and 27 chapters like the New Testament books. But did you know that even the 27 chapters are divided into three groups and each group ends with a condemnation of the unbelievers. Isaiah... 40 begins, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, and the 27 chapters describe the Savior and the salvation and the joy. The redeemed of the Lord will come into Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. You shall go out with joy and let forth in peace, as we earlier said. Joyful jubilation of the salvation of the Lord. But along with that, there is other aspect also. What is the first nine, where, where would the first nine chapter end if it begins at chapter four? Forty, did, did I not say I'm not good in math? Where is the first nine chapter would end if it begins at four, 40? 40? Come on. 40 what? 48 chapter, chapter 48. I mean, uh, okay. There is no peace says the Lord, says my Lord, for the wicked. Another nine chapter end, verse chapter 57, two words, two verses. Wicked are like a raising sea that can never be quiet. It's always muddled with mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And third nine chapter end would be end of the book where it describes in most vivid terms when they will go out and see the dead bodies of the people who rebel against me their worm does not die their fire is not quenched and they will be loathsome to mankind who are these they will go out who are these they 
In verses 22 and 23, he describes heaven. And verse 24 describes hell side by side. Think about this. In Luke's gospel, Luke 16, this rich man looks at Lazarus. Rich man in hell looking at paradise in Lazarus. This here, the, the picture is the other way around. You are in hell. Ah, I'm sorry. You are in heaven. And God allows you to crack the door open and lets you see. What do you see? Do you hear the cries? Do you, do you smell the stench of the burning dead bodies? Do you see the flailing hands raising, asking for help? When you see that, what happens? But by the grace of God, I would have been there. But by the grace of God, we have no fear of hell. We don't serve God because of fear of hell. For there is no condemnation those who are in Jesus Christ. But we serve God with love and gratitude. With love and gratitude. We don't have time, but I had planned to sing when I survey. It says, If the realm of whole nature mine, that would, uh, would be a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. God has spared us from the hell, and it's our responsibility now to be instrumental in others to spare from that place that no one needs to go. Father, thank you for your word that is truth that cannot be changed by the lies that, lies that we hear all around us. Thank you for your grace. It's not anything good that we have done, but simply, simply your grace that has quickened our spirit and realized who you are and beg your forgiveness and receive your pardon. Father, my prayer is that there is no one here that has not yet gone through that process. And everyone, Father, that you will burden us to share your grace and to live life that is totally pleasing to you. We are spared from the utter ultimate destruction for the life that we enjoy now and we will forever in your presence. And that is only by your grace. And we are immensely grateful. Thank you for Jesus who made it possible. In his name we pray. Amen.